Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. Scott the Fane Knowles and you're listening to another episode of I'm Spartan OCR Podcast. Thanks for listening. On tonight's episode I interview a good buddy of mine, uh, probably one of the first people I ever met that was running elite races that I used to see at all the races. Um, his name is John Crosby and we're going to talk to him about the Palmerton race over this past weekend and I hope you enjoy it. What's up, everybody? I got my buddy John Crosby on the phone here today. He's going to tell us about how he got into obstacle racing and his race in Palmerton over the weekend. John, why don't you say hey to everybody? Hey, how you doing, Scott? It's good to talk to you. Yeah, man. Uh, so, John, uh, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, my name's John, of course. Um, I'm 55 years old. Um, married with one daughter, and I've got four grandchildren and um just uh loving life right now i hear you now i know you just uh you kind of like stepped back a little bit in your job you took like a less stressful job didn't you at your work yes correct yeah i've been at the same company now it's a big pharmaceutical company i've been there almost 29 years and i was a, a technician in a sterile production area for 27 of those years and I just recently took a fork truck operator's job. It's making a few bucks an hour less, but that's so much more relaxing. Don't have to sign any papers and I'm just trying to get the next few years in and get out of there. I hear you, I hear you. So you said you were a technician there? You did like line maintenance or something? No, actually, well, the last 10 years I was a technician in what's called a pilot plant where we worked on new and, um, and investigational vaccines. Oh. And one of the big vaccines we worked on recently was the Ebola vaccine that uh, for over in Africa, and uh, it was just kind of pretty cool to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it does sound pretty cool. So, um, yeah. John, you've run a lot of OCR races. You know how many OCR races you've run over to? I right now at this point, I'm I'm about up to fifty. Fifty. Most of those are Spartan races, aren't they? Ninety-eight percent Spartan racing. Yes. Right. So, how did you get into Spartan racing? Well, in 2013, I was in a, a really bad spot in my life. I had a motorcycle accident many, many years ago, and I had struggled with uh, dependency on um, painkillers. And I actually went into rehab and, and got uh, out of there and got off the painkillers and decided I was going to start taking care of myself and get in shape. So I uh, got into martial arts for a couple years, and uh, the instructor actually challenged me to do a Spartan race at Palmerton in 2014, and that, that was the very first race that I did. Oh, cool. And um, so <clears throat> you were in part Palmerton over this past weekend, and how was the race this past weekend? The race is incredibly challenging. I, I love Palmerton. I kind of consider it my home course. 
I loved hilly mountain races. Um, and it was just, it was an incredibly challenging course. And Spartan did a great job setting the course up. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching the live feed. I didn't, I didn't walk away from the TV for one second. I'm really enjoying how they're doing the live feed on the races. <clears throat> now I you, think it's one of the best races that there is in the country. I, I just love Palmerton. Right. Now, you run, I know you run Elite all last year because I, I met you at uh, the Charlotte, I think I met you at the Charlotte race in 2016. And uh, John was probably one of the first familiar faces I started seeing at all the races I was going to. But uh, th this year you've been running competitive, right? Yes, Scott. What I found out was uh, most of the races where I was running elite, I would come out of there winning my age group, and then I would start scrolling through the results and notice that sometimes there'd be a couple guys in competitive that would actually have better times than me. Now, last year I was 50 to 54 years old, and uh, I just thought that um, – the competition is actually better in, in the competitive wave. It, it, there's more guys my age in uh, the competitive wave than the elite wave. Not many guys over 50 want to go get in that corral in the elite heat and run against the fastest guys in the world. It just not, doesn't appeal to them. So they run competitive. And I, and I have an amazing group of friends in the over 50 that, that we talk uh, all the time in meet races. And we have a great time competing against each other. It's a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, now, so in competitive heat, they made everybody do a double sandbag carry too. Well, that's gonna—you're probably gonna get me a little bit upset there. Um, it, it was supposed to be a double sandbag carry, and when I got to the top of the hill, is when they announced to the runners coming up to the sandbags that they should just carry one because they'd run out of sandbags. And to mm. my knowledge, that's at least the second consecutive year that that's happened. So that, that, that upset me a lot. Um, how am I supposed to now compare my time to someone that carried one sandbag when I had to carry two? Um, now, the guy, the couple guys that I'm, I'm chasing or trying to compete against were out in front of me. I, they got their sandbags, but I don't know how many people behind me. It had to be in the hundreds ended up carrying one sandbag, so it was a little oh, bit man. frustrating. Yeah, I was I was wondering how they were going to do that, and I saw I saw in pictures that you were carrying two, and it made me wonder: did they make the competitive heats do it too? Because it's like you said, that's a lot of sandbags, and that heel it takes a, a a lot of time to accomplish it. Because you know, when you look in pictures, you see people just sitting and taking breaks. So I imagine they probably ran out of sandbags pretty fast. They, they did because I was I was the, in the first competitive heat at eight o'clock and I was I was catching up to the back end of the elite wave and passing some of those guys uh, at that point in the race. So so they ran out very early and I think after doing running out last year to, to do it again this year I think is inexcusable on Spartan's part. I can't imagine how they can justify running out of sandbags. And uh, I don't want to get into it too much. It's it's actually it's pretty frustrating. Um, but it happened, and we just do the best we can and, and have the best race you can. I, I do think, though, that it, it would have cost me uh, it cost me at least 15 or 20 minutes versus carrying one. I trained oh, yeah. at that facility. Uh, Blue Mountain is open for people to train anytime they want to. 
and, and we take sandbags up and down a hill. I know what it feels like to carry one, and I know what it feels like to carry two. <laughs> and, and it's a complete, it's a complete race changer. Oh, I'm sure it is, especially when it comes to your time and your grip strength, because <laughs> you got to pretty much hold one of those unless you carry them both on your shoulders the whole time. But yeah, it's it's a, one of the toughest obstacles that there is. Period. I understand your frustration, and it's like you said, you know, this is a big race, and it was televised. You would have thought that Spartan would have made sure that they had double or even triple of the amount of sandbags that they usually do. And I yeah, even... I don't, I don't understand it. And I was watching the live feed, and uh, I even saw the volunteer had to... Uh, tell one of the racers he picked up the wrong bag and he had already you know picked it up and i think it was one of those it's like it almost looked like they had they had the spartan pancakes and then they had like those burlap or those tarp material bags it almost looked like they had a men's a women's and then a men's and a women's like they had them put side by side like that but I, I couldn't tell yeah, for sure. There was confusion. Yeah, there was confusion on the type of sandbags for, that, that I heard about that also. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I forget. I, it might have been uh, um, Angel Quintero, I think. He picked up the wrong one, and, and he had already gotten about 50 feet away from it, and the volunteer told him to come back. And this volunteer, I mean, I'm just going by what the live feed looked like, but it looked like a, a, young, a young person that was there, like, in his teens, Correct. early teens, you know, but yeah, I can understand that frustration, you know, and, and if they would have figured, you know, Hey, we may run out of bags, you know, and I I'm, I'm, don't want to knock a competitive heat because I know the competitive heat is there to get the same, you know, they're, they're there to get the same, uh, Oh man, lost for words. They're, they're, they're wanting to get the same kind of, um, exposure, as the elites yeah. but if they thought that they were yeah. going to run out of bags they could have said hey only the we don't have enough bags the competitive heat will only carry one but i know that's not fair to the competitive heat but you know i and i guess that's kind of what they did but they well, should have done it before the first you. competitive I, runner got there see what i'm saying i i agree with you that that's what they should have done they could have handled it that way and we've gone much smoother Definitely. And I bet that all of the competitive runners probably had a blue armband just like the elite runners did, didn't they? Yes, sir. Yeah, correct, Scott. And so yeah. the volunteers wish, couldn't I, tell the difference. I, I, I wish going in, I wish going, I, I kind of predicted this ahead of time. I saw it coming and I spouted off about it a little bit ahead of time. I did not want to see that happen again this year. I wish they would have given, given competitive a red armband and separated us and given us right. one bag so we could just be on the same level playing field. But they didn't do that. They, they chose to give everybody with a blue armband the, yeah. the two sandbags. And, and see, and and that and you can't you can't separate the heats when everybody's got the same armband on you know and on a and on a trail like that you know there's going to be some of the elite racers that are going to get passed by the top competitive racers so they're going to get mixed up yes and sure. but you know and and they did do that in jersey you know because but it wasn't it wasn't separating the competitive from the elites it was separating the ultra beast were wearing the green armbands and 
I was running the beast and they gave us a, a blue or a super armband. So they were able to tell the difference between the ultras and the supers. And I thought, hey, this is a great idea. But would have been an easy fix, Scott. Yeah. Would have been easy. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I mean, if, if you're going to run, I mean, it's, it's a different heat. They, I mean, they need to wear a, a different armband, you know. But, I agree. You know. Yeah. What can you do, right? Yeah. That's it. We just deal with it and move on. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. yeah. So, um, John, I've been asking everybody this because I haven't flipped the tire yet. Were you able to flip the tire over? I did flip the tire. I, I couldn't wait to get a try at flipping the tire. Now, you know me. I'm not a big guy. I don't yeah. lift weights. And I was very nervous. And I get up to the top and my wife was there. My granddaughter was there. And another good friend was there, and, and the good friend was in my face yelling at me. She would not <laughs> let me fail that tire flip. <laughs> and I, I managed to flip it. I was pretty proud. That's my most proud moment of the whole race was flipping that tire. Man, That's I tell you fun. what, man, I'm super worried about it because I, I saw the video of, of Luke, you know, and he was he was struggling with it. And, I mean, he's he's a more, I think he's a lot stronger than I am. So if he's having problems with it, I know I'm going to have problems with it. Well, I did it, Scott, and I managed to get my hands under it, and then for me, it was just all leg push after that for the most part, you yeah. know, and, and I think if I, if I did it, I believe you can do it. Did it feel like a 400-pound tire? <laughs> it felt like an 800-pound tire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know, and I've, I, I hardly ever flip tires, and there's one here that's at our local YMCA and it's nothing like that tire. It's like a, a rear tire on a, on a big tractor. It looks like, and it's, it's really wide in diameter. So, you, you know, leverage is on your, on your side. So it was easy to flip yeah. it. And I'm like, well, maybe just doing that a few times will help. So I did that a little bit this yeah. week. So maybe it'll help a little bit. <clears throat> did you have a clean race or did you have to do some burpees somewhere, John? No, I had to do some burpees, and uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> this is another part of the thing that happened, and I don't, I, I don't want to sit here bashing Spartans. I think it's the, the best race out there. But uh, I got to the rig, and they had the uh, bell at the end was so high that a lot of people couldn't reach it, and I struggled with the transition from the pole to the last ring uh, distance-wise. So I failed the rig, which happens to me maybe. Less than 50% of the time, but it does happen to me. And uh, as I was doing my burpees on the rig, they actually, a blue shirt actually came and lowered the bell in the middle what? of the race to make it easier. Yes, in the middle of the race, Scott. That's Absolutely. crazy. <laughs> yes, it was. And, and I like, I dealt with that. So I was on my 22nd burpee. I'm like, you know what? I didn't reach the ring before it anyway, so I'm not going to, I got to push on, you know? Right. And, but but it added, it added to being upset. Um, yeah, it added they, to they actually literally stopped the racers and lowered the bell. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. I, and and you was. know, that rig, when when you saw it on the live feed, it looked like the rig was set up high and all the rings had a really long, you know, rope on it. And it looked like they were spaced apart more than they usually are. So it looked like a tough rig. Yeah, they were spaced apart. I'm, I'm 5'7", and, I, you know, my arms aren't real long. And, and I, failed, I failed it. But they, they should never have changed it uh, yeah, in the middle of the race. 
race, actually early in the race, and the early in the competitive heats, they lowered that bell significantly so people could reach the bell easier. So, not nice. Yeah, that's not fair. It's definitely not no, fair. It's not. I mean, I could understand them saying, hey, we've got to change this because too many people are failing. But if you're going to do that, you need to do it after the competitive heat. Sure. You know, I can understand them wanting to make it easier for the open classes if you're having tons of people failing the obstacle and you see why it's happening. Yeah, yeah. So I failed, I failed the eight hanger and twister. Twister's the only obstacle I've never, uh, it's a new obstacle, but it's the only one I have yet to be able to do. I got uh, a third of the way into the last section and I fell off. So, pretty frustrating. Yeah, I bet that was. That's one of those obstacles where I think I'm like 50% on it. I enjoy it, and I like the obstacle. It's, it's hard to practice the obstacle in an open wave if you, you know, go back through. Because yes. you'll, te- you'll tear your hands open if you practice it too much. Yeah, it's a hand ripper. Yeah, it's a, it's a great obstacle. I, it, it is. I can only blame myself for not being able to do it. It's a great obstacle, and they, they definitely need to keep it. It's a good one, you know. And, and while we're talking about obstacle difference, I've noticed that... I know in Montana, and it was another race out out west, they would only have two sections of the twister in it and not three. Yeah, I've heard that too. It's a little frustrating. Yeah, because, man, it's a lot easier to get across two than it is to get across three. (laughs) Yeah, I've gotten across two a bunch of times. I can't finish the third one. Yeah, I mean, you're hanging on a long time on twister. Yeah, yeah. Unless yeah, you're it's a tough one. Ryan Atkins or Hobie Call, you know. Yes, I agree. I agree. So I've never, I've never seen the uh, ape hanger, but I, I was, they, uh, I saw videos on Facebook of people doing it, and it looks really tough, just because when you're hanging on to that, what I mean, looks like a rope ladder or whatever. It looks yeah. like when your weight makes it go down in the center of it, and then you're climbing back up, and then you have to do that right. twice. So that that looks really difficult. To me, the tough part is you start out in waist deep water climbing a rope, so your hands are wet. So right, right off the bat, you have wet hands on metal bars. You yeah. Know? Uh, and then, but but really, what makes me fail is at the top, the transition to the next section. It's such a far reach that I just I'm not able to do it. I did do it once successfully last year, so I feel like I know I can do that obstacle. I found the secret was to get actually get a bounce going, go bounce from from wrong to wrong. And when I got that rhythm going last year, I was able to do it, but it, it didn't happen for me this year. Right. Yeah, don't you hate that? You know, it, it, when you, you know you can do it and then you fail it, that's worse than never making it, you know? I agree. It's I a, agree. It's yeah. like the spear throw wasn't frustrating until I made the first one. And then, okay, I know I can do this. And then once you miss it from then on, it's like you're screaming curse words every time. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's frustra- it's a frustrating obstacle. I hit it Saturday. I was really happy. I, I had a good race going up to that point. Oh, man. Yeah. So you ran it both days, too, didn't you? Well, I ran Saturday, and um, I was pretty exhausted and, and also, you know, upset about a couple of things. So Sunday, I 
just did the open weight with my granddaughter. Oh, so cool. that was basically just her race. How old's your granddaughter? She's 14. Oh, man, I bet she had a blast, didn't she? She, she did. She doesn't train, so it's really a challenge for her. And then we had a good time. A group of us went out together, you know, some of my friends, and you know who some of them are. And we went out together and, and did a, a lap with her. And uh, we, had, we really had a good time. Oh, really that's did. cool. That's cool. Um, so it looked like in the morning it was like super, like really foggy and everything. And it, I'm sure it was just muggy hot as it could be, right? It was, and I know it was, yeah, it was hot, but like, we did have a beautiful weekend. The weather cooperated. Um, but the one thing that was fun for me, the first time I've ever done this was because my granddaughter's wave was 1030. I got to watch the elite competitors run the, uh, elite sprint. That was fun. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed watching that. I bet that was I really cool. did. Yeah. Yeah. Atkins won. Atkins won. My good friend Tyler got sixth, and I'll tell you, I haven't seen anyone faster at obstacles than what Tyler is, and that includes Atkins. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, I, yeah. I know I got to see Tyler uh, for a, a, a pretty good a few times on the live feed. I know I saw him at the at the bucket. I think he. He got passed by the first play, by Lindsay when he was on the bucket, I believe. If I, yeah, I don't think he was real happy with Saturday, but on yeah. Sunday he ran a beautiful race. He oh ran yeah, a beautiful he, race he, Sunday. Yeah, he yeah. he crushed it Sunday. I think he was only like five minutes behind Atkins on on. He, uh, was, he was forty seconds behind Kent. Yeah, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, he was right there. He he ran a, he ran a great race. So he's looking to hopefully get on that podium this weekend. Oh, cool. He probably will. Because you know a I lot of those so. guys ain't going to be there like they was last weekend. Correct. Yeah, I agree. Mm. <clears throat> so, um, what do you think was uh, probably the best part of that race for you, John? The, oh, the super? Yeah. Uh, the, the actual race itself or the day? Uh, oh, you, both. Uh, well, like I said, for me, flipping the tire, having having my um, granddaughter and my wife and my friend Liz up there and watch me successfully flip the tire uh, was awesome. Um, I, I love mountain running. I love running downhill as fast as I can. Um, so I, I like that part about, about the race. The best part for me that has developed over these last few years is just the camaraderie and the friendship uh that, that I've formed with so many people uh, in this community. And I just love crossing that finish line, whether I'm there early or first in my age group or later on in my age group, seeing the guys with the gray hair hanging out and talking <laughs> with them, and even the younger people too. But it's just an awesome experience. It, it, it really is, man. It, it, it always yeah. seems like a good time. I mean, I can hang around the venue all day and just watch people do obstacles, walk around, and just hang out. It's just it's just a cool place to be, man. It really is. It really is. Yeah. It's been a great few years. I've enjoyed so much of it. Yeah. So I, we've probably already discussed this, but uh, what would you say was the worst part of the race? The sandbag you know, Yeah, we, we, we did discuss it. I, I'll be honest with you, Scott. I, I'm a little embarrassed with the way I was at the sandbag carry. When I got to the top of that hill, if, if the race director, say Jason, would have been there, they would have had to take me off the course. They would have had to remove me. I, I acted like an idiot. I was so mad that 
bring out sandbags. And that hands down. And I had friends watching that too. And I was like throwing my sandbags around, getting surprisingly good air with them. But <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe my eyes that they actually ran out. And I, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I did it. I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. I wish I didn't get that way. But I'm, I have this competitive nature that it's just always going to be there. That's right. We're and, passionate, uh, man. Exactly, and I know people coming behind me in my age group. I know people in front of me in my age group, and, and it's just that we can't all be on a level playing field in the competitive wave yeah. is just really frustrating. I mean, I, I have the annual pass, but I mean, I believe they charge extra for competitive and elite, so they do. we should be on the same playing field as each other. We're paying more money to, to race competitive, to look at the numbers at the end of the race, and, and on Tuesday when they give the points out to check the rankings, and that's fun stuff for people like me. And there's a lot of people like me out there yeah. that, that right now are really not happy about what happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you got to think, you know, if that would have happened. And, I mean, that it's like you said, that would ch that changed placement across the way. And, and it's like you said, there might have even been elite racers coming up, too. And they said, hey, we're out of bags. Just carry one. So, yeah, just think about the time that they were able to gain on other yeah. racers because they didn't exert that energy of carrying two sandbags instead of one. Right, which makes you think, and I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but it makes you think, okay, what does Spartan care about? Well, they care about those top, what, 20, 30 elite racers. Yeah. That's during the race, that's what their focus is on as far as the competition part goes. I think in the big picture, they care about the open ways. That's where their bread and butter is. That's where the money is. But, you know, race day, especially televised race, they're focused all on the leaders. Oh, and definitely. The rest, of us, the, rest, the rest of us just kind of don't matter, really. So it hurts, you know. It does. Yeah. Yep, because you know they all got their two sandbags. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, John. Um, so what would you say would be your the obstacle that you love the most when you're doing a race? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, when I first started, I struggled with rope climb, and I love seeing the rope climb. Um, I'm going to have to go switch up and say Olympus. It took a, a race or two, but now that I have my technique down, I really like Olympus. You know, I think I like, it because, I like it because some people, some people in my competition group, some people struggle with it. So for me to see it coming and know I'm not going to do burpees on that, it, I like it. Yeah, I've struggled with it at a couple of races, and I think I've got a better technique down to it, but. Since I believe I found a technique, I haven't hit one that was covered in moisture yet or had frost <laughs> on it because it was so dang cold. So, yeah, I, that's the wild card. If it's wet, I'm going to struggle if it's wet for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah monkey bars. At that point, you got to give up. At that point, I got to give up the skin on my knees because I don't wear any knee protection. At that point, I'm changing my technique and, and my knees are going on and I'm going to rip the skin off my knees if, if it's wet, just the way it goes. The second day in Charlotte, I could get no grip on that wall at all. It was covered in frost and I had to go to my knees and I couldn't make it all the way through it on my knees. I just couldn't do it. 
I couldn't hold and on. It's, it's, it's much easier when it's dry. It's, it's for most of us, I think, that, that are in the elite or competitive. If it's dry, it's not that much of a challenge anymore now that we've learned what, what we need to do. But I, I enjoy doing it. What's your technique? How do you do it when you go across it? I grab the chains, and I get my feet up as high as I can. My feet as close to the chains as I can get them, so I'm leaning all the way back. I just go chain to chain, two hands on the chain at a time. So I make sure I grab the bottom of the chain so there's room for my hand to go over top of the other hand. And it flows smoothly for me. So you put both hands on one chain as you go across? Yeah, I go well, with the first one I grab with one hand, get both my feet on there, I grab it low. And then, yes, I put my second hand on that chain. And then one hand to the next chain low, two hands on it again. And then just go chain to chain. Huh. But at, at one point, I'll have two hands on the chain, each, each chain, for a second, for a split second, you know, hmm. transition. I might try that. Yeah, some people don't like the chains. They say it hurts their hands. I've, I've, I like the chains. That works best for me. Right. Okay, so what obstacle would you say that you dread the most, John? Well, right now, right now, I have to say Twister because I've never completed it. I, I really was excited um, about it this weekend. Um, I don't know why, because I really didn't do anything to prepare more for it. I just thought each race I was getting a little closer, and I thought for sure that I would get it this weekend, and um, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. So I definitely, except for Palmerton, Palmerton, the double sandbag carry. Yeah. Yeah, and and at Killington, the death march. <laughs> 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 no doubt there. I've never do, I've never done a race where they had a double sandbag at it. Is Palmerton the only yeah. one they do that? It's the only place that I've had to do it, and I've been to a lot of venues. So as far as I know, it is. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I've never been to another race with two. Hmm. I wonder if they did it at Tahoe last year. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I was not there. I don't think they did. I don't think so either. I mean, it's a special Palmerton event. <laughs> yeah, for some for some people. <laughs> right? Yeah. I know it was. Not it, everyone. It wasn't the same watching it on TV without seeing you know Hunter come and try to kill that yeah. again. So. He always makes yeah. the races a little bit more fun to watch. He does, and I didn't even, it never entered my mind that he wasn't there. Was it, do you know why he wasn't there? No, I don't. I remember he said in an interview at Monterey that he didn't think he was going to make it there. I think okay. he's going to, he's getting into that, that new Tough Mudder series they're doing. They've got a real uh, short Tough Mudder race that I think is under a mile long, yeah. kind of like the yeah. time trials racing that they're doing for Spartan. It's something like that, but I think you have to actually okay. like lift some heavy weights doing it. It's something that's like right up his okay. alley. Yeah, he's a strong guy and a character. I bet him once in a race he'll kick him out. I think it was at Palmerton last year he came out into the uh, other waves and was uh, talking with the, with the ordinary people. <laughs> <laughs> with the ordinary. Was, uh, that's pretty cool. He seemed like a nice guy. I know, I've seen a video, it was on Bro CR where... Uh, Kevin Donahue was standing on the other on the other side of the dunk wall, and every time somebody would come out from under the dunk wall, he'd ask them just some crazy off the wall question really fast. You know, <laughs> he's like, "Have you ever peed in the dunk wall water?" You know, I mean, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty. 
cool video to see. Yeah, it's, it's good to have fun out there sometimes, too. It doesn't always have to be serious. Yeah, you know? it is. Okay. So, so, John, what is your race ritual? Like, pre-race, you know, the day before? What is something, to, or if you have one? I have a couple. There's, there's two things I can think of. Uh, one is my pre-race meal the night before the race is, is hot wings. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, I yeah, I started doing that, and um, just something that it works for me. So <laughs> that's my pre-race meal on a Friday night. And I've done that. This is a crazy story. I'll try, to, I'll try to keep it real brief, but I always give my wife a kiss before I get into the corral, and I forgot on Saturday. Oh. And they had the corral all roped off on Saturday. No one was allowed to get close to it. And I forgot to give her a kiss, and she got a volunteer to come look for me, and he couldn't find me. He told the MC what happened, and the MC called me out in front of everybody and let my wife come down and give her a kiss. <laughs> no way! Oh, it was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me at a race. Oh, I'm man, sure. that is super <laughs> epic, man. I would, y'all should have, like, got that on video. <laughs> it was insane. It was insane because he's going, does anybody know John Crosby? And I didn't hear him because I was talking. I met a gentleman that was 68 years old in the corral, and I was talking to this guy. I wasn't paying attention. And this, I hear my name in the background. I don't know what's going on. Actually, you know, all these people are pointing at me. I'm like, what's going on? And he brings me over to the sign and, and lets her walk down beside the corral and to come give me a kiss. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty It was pretty cool. It was embarrassing, but it was cool. Yeah. So do you do anything special like the morning for the race? Like what do you eat or supplements you might I'm, take or something? I'm not a supplement guy. I don't, and, and I run best on empty. Really? Which, you know, it's kind of, without getting gross, that's part of the reason I eat wings the night before. Um, I, I need to go to the bathroom a few times Saturday morning, and I drink a little bit of water, um, maybe a little Pedialyte, and I, I don't take supplements. So I just go, and I don't carry anything with me during the race. I went empty pockets at Palmerton. Dang. So, yeah. That's, that's what I like to do. That's, that's, that's my thing, so... Wow, no goose or nothing, huh? No, I took nothing. I took nothing. Man, that's impressive, yeah. John. That's, it works for me, you know what I mean? That's all. So I'll stop at a station and get a drink. So I did that. Huh. So, like, after the race, if you're going to race Sunday, do you have anything that you do to recover? Or it's pretty much the same thing? I, you eat wings again on Saturday night? <laughs> <laughs> I don't on Saturday. Sunday is kind of one of those things where you just don't know how you're going to feel. Um, I kind of, within my little group of friends, had a reputation a couple of years ago for being faster Sunday than I was Saturday, and some people were kind of surprised by that. And it just, you know, you don't know how you want to feel the next day. So I don't really do anything. I'd always eat a little bit Saturday after the race and, and try to get some rest and just get up and I'd feel so tired and so beat up. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 55 now, you know, and so you never know how you're going to feel the next day and you just go out and get it. And, and usually within a mile or so, I start, I would start feeling good. But this year it hasn't worked that way for me. I've not been as fast on Sundays. I've not been. John, you got to quit using your age as an excuse because you are <laughs> way more resilient than I am. Last year, last year, John run the ultra in New Jersey and went back the next day and run the beast. After I did the ultra last year, I was like, I want to go home and get in bed for a week. 
Sure. And that ultra was my best race of the year. Statistically, I had a really good race at the ultra. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. But it was it was a good race for me. But man, I've been I was aching for months after that race. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did the next day, and then a couple of days, a few days later, I went to Ohio, boosting sprint. <laughs> that, yeah. that was hard. I that know, was and I was, and I remember looking at post and you being there, and I was like, "Man, this guy's a beast." I don't know how he's doing this. <laughs> I was like, still yeah. not even running yet, <laughs> because yeah, I was yeah, still was, sore. That was tough. That was tough. Yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah. might have just answered my next question. My next question was going to be, to this date, what has been probably the the race that sticks out the most in your mind or your most favorite race? I mean, just, just hands down, the hardest thing I've ever done, really really not even close, was last year's Killington Ultra. Oh, yeah? Um, evidently, only a couple hundred people finished or whatever. I don't know this, the numbers. I never looked it up. I think it was. I remember that. It was. It was a. It was like thirty percent. I think. Yeah, yeah. I've heard numbers ranging from twenty-one to twenty-eight. You know, it doesn't matter. I managed to finish. It took thirteen hours and fifty-eight minutes. Wow! And cutoff um, was like fifteen hours, right? Yeah, I had an hour and two to spare, and so I wasn't real happy with myself that it took me that long. Because I think I could have done it faster. But I finished, so I try to be at peace with myself. You know, that, that at least I finished a race. I, I was crawling on my hands and knees on Death March the second time. You know, it was whew, so hard. So, so that race I'll never forget. So, I, I think the Death March is just the steepest climb there, right? Yes, and it goes forever, and it feels like if you lean backwards a little bit, you're going to roll downhill. <laughs> wow, so just steep incline, huh? It's steep and it's long. Yeah, at least it was last year. We'll see what they do this year. I mean, I won't be there, so. <laughs> what 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 elevation did you get for doing the ultra there last year? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, I'm not going to bring up my age again. But <laughs> I don't wear any. I don't, I don't wear any technology, so I I have to rely on other people. I heard crazy numbers. I think the most reliable number I heard was 12,000 12, feet a game. Wow. I've heard people say 16, and I called BS on that. So it wasn't 16. So I heard it was 6,000 per lap, which sounds about right. Shoot, 12,000 was about 3,500 more than New Jersey was. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took it took me ten twenty five to New Jersey. I know you finished ahead of me there. I mean, you were right behind me because I was like ten oh four. Yeah, I was booking. I was booking, and, and um, so it was three and a half hours longer to do Killington. Jeff, mm. did, did, did you fail a lot of obstacles there? Um, no, not no. I really didn't. I, I failed that. The thing under the bridge both times. Uh, in fact, the first lap that was my only burpees was the the, the ladder and the the um, Tarzan swing underneath. I mean, I did the ladder, but the Tarzan swing that was my my only burpees. The first lap was that, and the second lap my only burpees were that and the spirit throw. So I only did ninety, which saved me. Well, that wasn't too bad. No, no. I mean, honestly, that rig there that day was the easiest one I've ever done, or maybe it was just me, because it was right near the end. Yeah. I was so excited. I guess I was so excited to see it. It was easy. Um, yeah, there was no twist at the time yeah. you know, at that point. So. I know it seems like yeah. most of the races I've done this year, all the rigs have had uh, rings on it, except for the New Jersey Beast. I, I want to say all of them have been all rings. 
Yeah, they seem to be going that direction. I, I've heard that it's to make it a little easier for the open class so it doesn't back up so bad, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I, th- I heard that too. You know how, like, I think they said, like, on the Beast, the rig's going to be harder. Uh and the eight foot wall is only going to be on like supers and beast, and you won't see it on the sprints too. I think I heard that right. or read it on Facebook or something. Yeah. But anyway, it had the they had an eight foot wall at Palmerton, but it had a beautiful run up area to it. It was dry, yeah, flat. So I mean, it was it was an easier one of the easier eight foot walls I've seen. Yeah, that eight foot wall can be a pain when you have to run up a hill and it's on the incline and you have to jump to it it's tough for me sometimes i've not i've there's been a couple that i've failed and that's frustrating because it's not supposed to be a hard obstacle yeah i I remember the one at carolina beast last year it was kind of like it was leaning towards you and it was on a hill that was a tough wall it was hard i agree so, so John, uh, what would you say to this point has been what you would call your worst race or the race you, you hated the most? Wow. Um, uh, you know what, really, I did not have fun in Breckenridge last year. I feel like the altitude got to me. Um, I had such a good time other than the race because <laughs> um, the people I was with. Um, Hot wings weren't that good I, up there. No, my wings didn't work. They don't work in altitude. (laughs) 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 I just didn't. I couldn't catch my breath from the from the gate. I just was. I struggled really badly out there. Um, It was frustrating to fly all the way out to Colorado because I flew in Friday night, race Saturday, and flew home Saturday. Oh wow! I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to a good race. It just didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, that was a that was a quick trip there. Yeah, it was. It was. I was with my buddy, uh, my my best race buddy, Rob Goodson, and uh, he he smoked me that day. Right. So. so, John, I heard you say earlier that you you said you didn't you didn't work out with uh, weights. What is your training like? I would say that this year I decided to focus on controlling my weight, trying to be as light as possible and run a lot and run a lot of elevation. I'm, I'm lucky here in Pennsylvania to have a lot of hills. So that, that was been most of it was hill training, hill training with sandbags, one sandbag, um, and, and a lot of running. I, I really, this year I backed off of exercises, um, pretty much just running and my, I kept my weight leading coming into Palmerton. I was about 163, which is good for me. And I thought that would really help me on things like a twister, but, um, you know, it just didn't happen. So that's most of my, I, I was going to a local, um, OCR gym and that was fantastic. My, my work schedule changed and I wasn't able to make the classes there anymore. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest, you know, people, have a, have an opportunity to go to an OCR gym, go. It, it definitely helps. Yeah, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Well, I, my shoulder's pretty jacked, so I can't really do shoulder mm-hmm. exercises and chest exercises. Anything that does like a like a fly motion, it, it bothers my shoulder bad. So, but I'm trying to kind of do what you're doing too, kind of ramp up my mileage and try to just get more running in because, you know, yep. it's 90% of that running race. Say. I don't want to say it. I got a little shoulder thing. I was doing some dead hang pull-ups, and the very first one, 
I, I tweaked the shoulder. I'm convinced there's no major injury, but it's been nagging at me for a while, and so I kind of just stopped doing that stuff, you know. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, annoying. I mean, running most of the races, running anyway, right? So. Uh, yeah, I'm at the point now to where, of course, you can't do it for the running part, but. If you're working out and you feel pain, just don't do it anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I'm not exactly. fighting that that battle anymore. I'm just accepting, no. hey, you need to wait until this heals before you continue to do this. Running running is kind of a different thing. I, I usually run out of all the pains around the first mile, and then like yeah. when I start doing more than 10 miles, they start coming back, and that's when I say, okay, this isn't going to be a long yeah. run today. <laughs> right. I agree. I agree. You kind of have to work uh-huh. with your injuries at some times. Sure, sure, and we all have them. And then we got to realize, too, that we do this for a hobby. This is fun. Like we're not making money doing this, so and we have to keep that in perspective as to healthy for our jobs and our families and everything else. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think the pros are making a lot of money doing this either. <laughs> no, nah. nah, a couple people are making money out of it. That's about yeah. it. You know. But um, well, John, one of the main reasons why I wanted to interview you today is because you put a post on Facebook and you said that this was going to be your last race. So I wanted to interview yes, you on this race, and uh, I wanted to interview you. I've been wanting to interview you anyway, but. I figured if this was your last race, I wanted to interview you, which I'm going to think that you're going to miss it and you're going to come back. But <laughs> Now, I'm one of those people. Now, now it is my last race. I'm taking my granddaughter to Citizens Bank Park, and I will be with her while she does the Open. I've registered. I've paid. I'm going to do the Open Heat with her at Citizens Bank Park, and that, that's it. Uh, I'm canceled. Both Barry Sprints, the the West Virginia Age Group Championships, Killington, both beasts, New Jersey, Florida, it's all, uh, I'm not going. So, and I don't think that, I, I can see me once a year, because I have a, a little cabin up in the Poconos in Pennsylvania near near Palmerston. Right. I can see me going and visiting people, but I'm not going to do the race. I'm not, to focus on my new goals now, so. And your new goals are, is you're going to start doing triathlons. Yeah, I just today I registered for my first one, and I've not trained yet for them. So I registered for one September 17th, which is the day of the second Killing Two Beasts. Baptism so. by fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my long-term, this whole thing, this whole thing, and people think um, that I got mad and I'm not doing sport racing anymore. And, and I would say that being mad shortened the season for me some, but all along I was done after 2017 and 2018 going to triathlons. I, I watched the World uh, Ironman Championships a few years ago in Kona, Hawaii, and, and I said, I, I have to do that. I have, not necessarily in Kona, but I have to do a full Ironman. Someday, I have to do a full Ironman. You're going to do the, uh, you're gonna do the full? Gonna you're going to do a half first, of course, right? Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do triathlons first, and then, and then hopefully, I'm hoping next year to do a half, if I can train hard enough to do a half and try to be as good as I can be at it. And then maybe by 2019, I can do a full Ironman, and, and that's my goal. And when I get into something, I get into it. I, I, won't, I won't turn back. It's, it's not my thing. You know, I'm determined, so... So you signed no, up for a. So you signed up for a sprint triathlon. Actually, actually it's less. It's less 
actually less than a sprint. It's a local race. The swim, the swim is only a quarter of a mile. So, right, <laughs> quarter of a mile with a twelve and a half mile bike ride and a two mile run. And there's a local company that does different ones. This is the shortest one. Uh, it's right down the road from where I live, and I like I wasn't going to do any this year. I was only going to train this year. Right. And I saw this little one. I'm like, you know what? I might as well go jump in. Yeah. So I'm going to do this little race, and the swimming is what intimidates most people, myself included. Yeah, me I too. know I can ride a bike forever. I know I can run forever if I have to. Uh, the question is, how do I get through a long swim? So I'll do a short swim first. I would like to do. I would like to do a half, but. It's it's yeah. like if I went and did it, it would be kind of like okay, this is this is me just wanting to do it once, and I just want right. to do it to say I did it. I don't want to go into <laughs> it and try to be competitive because yeah, I would I just be. I know yeah. I would the swimming part just it's hard to train for for the swim part unless you you know got a membership at a Y and you can swim laps on a pool or something or. You got a pond that's pretty cool. My local Y, my local Y has a triathlon club. Oh, and cool! My place that I have in the my place that I have in the Poconos has a two hundred twenty-five acre lake. It's not my lake, but it's in the community, yeah. so I can swim open water and swim at the Y. I can train swimming. I just have to do it. See, that's pretty cool. They don't have down here in South Georgia. There's nothing like that. There's no triathlon clubs or. There is a lap pool, but that's 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 about it, you know. And and you don't want to yeah. go, you don't want to swim in the lakes on a regular basis down here because you're either going to find an alligator or find a water moccasin. No, I pass on that. <laughs> yeah. So, so hey, John, I'm I, up. you can get me excited real quick by talking about this new thing coming up. So yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Man, I I wish you all the luck on it. I, I it's always something that's it kind of been something i've wanted to do too but i don't know it's buying a a decent bike to do it with you know it just you know i'm doing the spartan thing and bought the pass so i'm going to stick with it for now i bought a bike two days ago and the first half ironman i looked at next year i didn't register yet but it's 750 bucks for one race wow this is not a money-saving idea. <laughs> uh, I mean, Spartan costs too much. Spartan doesn't cost too much. This stuff's going to cost me a lot more. You know, you know and, so. and, and I feel you on, you know, being upset with Spartan because, you know, everybody's gotten lost on a trail, and, you know, that's happened to me, and... I know I got lost almost a quarter mile one time before me and about four other people realized, hey, we were off course. And that first day in Carolina last year, man, we got lost really bad. And that that that's something that's frustrated me in the past. And and yes, I know it's it's not a hundred percent Spartan's fault because we weren't paying attention to the markers. You know, I, I understand that. You know, so I'd say it's kind of like a 50-50 thing where it could be marked better. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've managed to find my way through the courses. I think particularly Woody does a pretty good job of marking courses out. Um, but I know he did Carolina and, and some people struggled. I, I, you know, maybe because I'm not moving as fast as some of the other guys, I'm able to focus more on the markings. Um, but, I, I'm, and as far as frustration goes, that doesn't bother me. I think most people I know are just very frustrated with their scheduling this year. 
and some of the yeah. things they did with their schedule. Yeah, they swapped a that. couple of race. I know there's been what two different race occasions where they swapped weekends on them, and, Jersey, pe- and people Jersey, had already South made Carolina, hotel plans and yeah, stuff. Virginia, Virginia, they put with tuxedo after the fact. Same with yeah. Carolinas, and 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 then they went and they they put West Point up. I was so excited about doing the military sprint, and then they put West Virginia the same day. Right. Yeah, because it doesn't matter now since I'm not going to get one. Because so. I know Florida was originally on the weekend that Virginia was going to happen, and right. they swapped those dates to where Florida come first and then Virginia yeah. came. I remember that. Yeah, and, and for someone like me, I'm a planner, so I have all my. As soon as they post their schedule, I plan it. I yeah, plan me all too. my races. I get all my hotel reservations, and then they went and they changed at least three things this year, maybe four. Yeah, I'm saying that. Piss me off, you know. John, I really. Th- what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about this, real quick? Uh, they have the age group championship in West Virginia, right? And it goes by age groups until you hit 50 years old. Then, it, then it's 15 over, and they cut off the age groups. What? what I didn't saying. know they did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 15 over. So if you're 55, if you're 65, you're running against 50 year olds. Yeah, they're not going to acknowledge anybody over fifty. I mean, if you beat if you can beat the good guys over fifty, more power to you. But you're racing against the fifty year olds, the fifty one year olds. If even if you're sixty years old or sixty five years old. Hmm. Yep. That is kind of messed uh, up. Yeah, it's just to me, it's cheap. It's cheap. That's all. Yeah. No, it's not right. But whatever. I wonder. <laughs> if, I wonder if they're looking at stati- statistics and you know, well, and the, the way people sure sign the up and. Low. But the I mean, numbers are low. There's no, there's no doubt the numbers are low. But if, say a, a 65 year old person does a beast in West Virginia, don't you think they should get some acknowledgement for that? You uh, know, I mean, come on. Yeah, definitely, yeah. With, without a doubt. That 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 is yeah. kind of they ought to do. They ought to do that the the same way they do local 5Ks. Either do it every five years of age group, you know, all the way up until the age isn't running. You know what I mean? Sure, I agree. I agree. I still think you ought to do that race, though. <laughs> now, now, I'm going to be training. I'll, I'll be up in my cabin swimming. Mm. So. <laughs> That's my deal now. Well, John, I, t- I'm going, I hate to see you. I mean, I understand why you're doing it. You're moving on to doing uh, a new adventure. But it sure is going to be, it's not going to be the same going to races and not seeing you, brother. Man, I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, I'm gonna miss you and your buddy there, and uh, it's a really cool thing, man. I'm gonna miss so many people. I got, I made a lot of friends, and it was an amazing experience. Well, maybe the Iron Man community will be pretty cool too. I'll find out. <laughs> you know, I had a buddy I'll that uh, I know it's off topic, but I had a buddy that uh, lives close by, and he ran his first half Iron Man in a. I, I think it was in Miami, and they they they're swimming that salt water down there, and I think they're uh-huh. in the, you know, not in the ocean side. They're on the the, the river side or whatever you call it, the bay. Okay. And uh, he said before they started the race, they were out there in the water treading water for forty five minutes before they started the race. <laughs> so you might not want to do the one in Miami. <laughs> I know nothing's gonna be perfect. I know I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have my disappointments, and I'm gonna get upset about things. But it, it is exciting to 
I feel like a little kid trying something new, and that's exciting for me, you know. So we'll see what comes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember looking at one on a runner Simon. It was a reverse triathlon where you ran first, got on the bike, and did the swim last. I think I probably drowned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cramp up in the water, and it was a sprint, so it was a it was a short one. But okay, I figured yeah. you know, at least the water would feel wait. good and cool. I thought, the, I thought of swimming two point four miles, biking one hundred and twelve, and running a marathon. Just that just. It's a bucket list that I got to go for. Man. I got to do it. Yeah. I've never ran just a regular marathon, and I don't really count the Ultra Beast because you're, you know, a lot of that's power hiking, you know. Sure, it's different. It's different. It's different. It is different. Even though we went more than a marathon distance, I I don't count it, you know. It's a different mentality. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, John, man, I, I really appreciate you doing this uh, podcast with us, and I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do it. Uh, I wish you all the luck with uh, your new adventure, man, and I make sure you post it on Facebook and all so we can see it. I will. I will for sure. <clears throat> well, John, take it easy, man. I appreciate you talking to us. All right, Scott. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank John again for taking the time to talk to us. It's going to be sad not seeing him at the races. He was always cool to talk to and bump into. Um, I'm going to be in Asheville coming up soon. Uh, come up to me and say what's up. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, if there's anybody out there that's going to do a race and they would like to talk to us, uh, hit me up. We'll see you at the next race. Peace!